With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn. Darwin, we will love your listing. Another big, big show. Raph, it's your weekend, mate. It is Purple Round this weekend where we will bring awareness and raise funds to those living with epilepsy. What are you hoping to achieve out of a round like this? Yeah, mate, it's um, like we spoke about before. Um, Jonathan Perry's another uh, epilepsy um, sufferer like myself. Um, came up with the idea about three weeks ago. So um, the big, the big um, one we're trying to get out of it is the, the epilepsy centre. There's nothing in Darwin. Mm. Um, so when people are diagnosed with epilepsy or know someone or want to find out more about it, it's all got to be done by uh, internet or, you know, yeah, look up on your Facebooks or mm. whatever or any social media sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a big one that we're, it's only the start. So this first one, we'll see how we can get things rolling. But uh, the end goal, um, hopefully within a 12-months period, um, try and set up a centre here in the, in, in the Territory in, in Darwin because... Anything that gets raised or done for Epilepsy um, Foundation here in the Territory goes straight down to South Australia, mm. which is not ideal um, because the, the, the Territory does have a lot of people with epilepsy. Um, surprisingly, when I said my story um, a couple of weeks ago, the amount of people who inboxed me and sent me messages that I didn't know had epilepsy, um, friends or cousins, um, it's just crazy. It's things that people sort of shy away from talking mm. about. Um, and we want it, you know, this to be able to, for people to be confident enough, not confident, but not be something to be ashamed of. Um, you know, you can still have a, a very good life. Um, you know, you're not restricted in too many ways. Like I still played an AFL career. Mm. Um, Jonathan Perris has been a champion for Nike Football Club. Um, so yeah, it does have its, um, you know, like any any disease, um, you do have your um, setbacks and yep. um, stuff that slows you down, but. Um, it's one that you can live through everyday life and, and have a good, good, uh, successful life. Yep. So, Raph, this is something that I'm assuming you're hoping to grow as the years go on. I know that there are original plans to have, I think, a player wearing blue, uh, sorry, purple boots, um, and that's something that hopefully, you know, can develop over the coming years. But what do you want this weekend? What can people do? Um, I'm going to put it out there and say we want as many people wearing purple as possible. Um, and stuff like that. But what else can people do this weekend? Yeah, mate, uh, wearing purple to the footy would be great. Um, but we're going to be selling mm. purple items at the gate as well. Um, we're going to have a, some a, a set up as well to buy some purple items, shoelaces, um, handbags, um, those sort of things. Um, some purple scrunchies for the girls to wear while they're playing footy. Um, there's also going to be a Barbie sausage sizzle, but even just a gold coin donation on, on yeah. the way through the gate. So there's going to be tins out at the Pines Oval um, over at Marara as well. Um, we'll have some people walking around. So just a gesture, come by, say good day, um, or yeah, just a gold coin donation, um, and just to get the ball rolling, really. Mm. Um, but yeah, wear your favourite purple shirt or your purple wig. So yeah, it will be good to see some purple down at the footy. Robbie Hale, the NTFL guru. What has been happening in your week? 
No, nah, nothing too much. I did some commentary of the 18s games on a rerun, so I did that and uh, flat out with work, though, this week. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much been my week, mate. Hey, this time last week, we accompanied your brother, Turtle, Anthony Hale, to an SEN event talking to the little master, Gary Ablett, at Kazaley's, and I loved it. Um, yep. Does just that awe being in the same room as someone who's achieved so much in their football career? Like, I was joking to your brother, we caught eyes for like two seconds, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, What's going on here? Yeah. But it's just crazy being in the room with someone who's achieved so much. I thought his uh, talk was very insightful. He spoke about the Gold Coast Suns. He spoke about his career. He spoke about his plans moving forward and made it very clear, I think, that he wasn't ready yet for a return to AFL football in a coaching capacity or the media or anything like that. Um, he played on Friday night last week. It wasn't a good day. It wasn't a good night for Palmerston. They lost by 31 points to St. Mary's, a really strong, a really well-drilled St. Mary's team. Ablett finished with the 12 disposals. Matty Stokes played also. We had him on the show last weekend. He finished with just the nine. Rob, what did you think about those two playing last week? What was your experience? The whole Gary Ablett experience, can you please try and describe that? I think it was a pretty good experience. It actually felt like an AFL game a little bit. It did. Just like a preseason game where like the vibe was really up. You had like pre-game. a music plan and people yeah. walking around the ground. You didn't know who they were with their clipboards and their yeah. lanyards and stuff. Yeah, I, I had a few drinks by that stage though, <laughs> so I don't know if I was just buzzing anyway. But no, nah, it felt like a real good sort of vibe. And obviously I thought, yeah, I think Gaz would have played a lot better if he didn't do that calf injury mm. in the first you know, second quarter, that really hurt him. And Matty Stokes sort of struggled a bit as well. Like, coming up and playing territory football, maybe the standard might have been a bit higher than they thought it would be. Mm. Um, maybe. I thought he looked all right, though, Ablett. Like, he mm. did have a calf injury, but like we said off-air, if Gary Ablett had a good run at it and was fully fit and Matty played in the middle a bit more or something like that, you wouldn't be shocked if he could still pull out a 25 disposal, 30 disposal, three-goal game or something. I thought when he had the ball, he looked pretty sharp. Obviously, the work rate's there and whether his body can get through a game up in the territory. Yep. But he still showed glimpses of, of that legendary little master, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And a couple of times he turned on a dime and had blokes like Jacob Long and Kieran Parnell turn them inside out. Team high inside 50s. Yeah, yeah. So team high inside 50s. And he turned those guys inside out on a couple of little shimmies, which, you know, so shows that he still has a bit of toe. Boys, this is for both of you. What did you think about Ablett starting on Joey Salmon on a wing? I thought that was so strange. We predicted last week that he'd start... Well, I predicted that he'd start on ball. Other people thought he'd start up forward. I didn't think he'd be starting on that far side wing on probably the best runner in the NTFL competition in Joseph Salmon. What are your thoughts on that, Raf? Yeah, definitely um, a strange move. Um, yeah, you, you just hit him on the ball and let him just read it and, and, and um, work out where to go. Or be the sweeper and hit it hit it on pace. Um, or just read it off the pack, which is his master out. So, yeah, yeah out wide um, and chasing someone like Joseph Salmon. I'd, I'd never want to chase Joseph Salmon around. <laughs> so, especially if you haven't had a game for two years mm. um, or three years, whatever he said. So, <laughs> yeah. first game back, you're starting on the quickest bloke in the NTFL on yeah. a wing. So, not ideal. <laughs> I think you, I think you want to save Gaz's legs as well. And you go put him out in the wing where he's out and, you know, it's pretty wide. It's, you know, on a, yeah, <laughs> save his legs a bit, you know. So, mm. I thought that was a strange decision. But there's a lot of strange things that, you know, clubs are doing. <laughs> <laughs> Salmon was good too. We'll speak about that later. But I thought Joey Salmon was in the top three players on the ground on the weekend. Yep. And do you think... Ablett looked well prepared and ready to play. I know that the obvious one is we talk about his body shape and the few photos went around early and they were saying, oh, looks like he's carrying a bit. Then we saw him in person and he definitely looked more like that solid, thick core as opposed to someone who was, you know, chubby or carrying a bit of fat. He looked ready to go. What was your take on his preparation? You did say that maybe he was a bit surprised by the standard. 
Yeah, he definitely looked like he was carrying a few. Um, and I think Palmerston, we're, they're in this, like, I have got them in the good, bad and ugly later on, so I don't want to take too much of my sound bites. But I do th- I do think it was a game, oh, just, yeah, I, I don't know, Clarky. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say what, I don't want to say now what I want to say Sounds in the like bad. you're loading up for something later I, I in the show. I want to load up on something. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I think yeah. so, I want you on, you know, I'll touch on what Rob's sort of pointing out. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Saints, you know, don't really come to, muck around yeah. and they've had they didn't start the season too well so mm. you know they're looking for a few wins on the trot so um yeah they, they weren't going to take it easy just because Abbott was playing I, I believe no yeah I think if you're going to bring in two older blokes don't do it against St Mary's I think we'll talk about that a little bit later mm. but you're right they're just such a they're a machine the yeah. green machine aren't and they like St Mary's saying, the comp this year itself is actually a good comp mm. look how even it is um yeah I think they should have probably timed it a bit better yep last one on the ablet stuff before we move on what did you think of the crowd and the general excitement was it as big as you thought it would be i'm going to be honest i didn't think the crowd was as big as i thought um i thought it was going to be a little bit closer to like an ntfl grand final i knew it wasn't going to be the afl level 10 to 11 12,000, but i thought i don't know i didn't i haven't seen an exact figure yet this week but it definitely wasn't as big as i quite thought it would be maybe four just mm. under four but i think they were charging 25 ahead of the gate oh, yeah. weren't they so that might have you know put a few people away. Um, I think, uh, charging the extra the, money. The clouds rolling in as well. Mm. That sort of because I was about to get, you know get myself out of the gate and I looked around and seen the skyline and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to go watch a, a rained out uh, slugfest. Uh, mm. <laughs> so I, I was happy to sit on the on the couch and watch it on the on, on YouTube and yeah. Mm. Stay, I'm not going to throw nice and dry. <laughs> I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus and ask a question that they don't know the answer to. But I think it'd be interesting to look at the YouTube numbers and see what um, what they were, whether that was like a record or something, because it's probably one of the most exciting minor round games I can think of for a while. Yep. But plenty to come later in this show. This is SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. It's now time for good, bad, and ugly on Fridays in the top end. It is time for the NTFL's Good, Bad and Ugly. Robbie, this is your domain, mate. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the good or the ugly? No, I reckon we start with the good and we just smash through it. Yeah, let's do it. So, my good's Buffaloes. I like that one. Yep. They won a game that many didn't um, have fancy for them. Uh, the betting mob put up put them up at juicy odds mm. as well. They gained a few Nightcliff boys who all played vital roles against their former club, except Riley didn't play. Having Mitch Robinson for the season is a massive get for them, and they don't seem to have a clear weakness, although I'd like to see Big Ben back because I feel against Tars, Saints, and Districts, he will be required. So by Big Ben, we're talking about Ben Archer, are we? Yeah, yeah, Big Arch. Um, One of the competition's best performed ruckman last year, of course, made the representative team. Hey, I think that's a pretty good analysis on the Buffaloes. I think an informed Jared Stokes looks so much better with Mitch Robinson alongside him. Jed Anderson, still the big unknown. I think uh, he'll be Gold Coast Suns, but, you know, you never know with AFL footy. If he misses out and joins that Buffaloes midfield, I think Robinson... Brew, Stokes, Anderson, Pendlebury, the list goes on. We're suddenly, I'm thinking, down Buffaloes, and obviously I'm a bit biased here, so tell me if, I'm, yep. if I've got this wrong, but I'm starting to think the P word, premiership, could be something that could be spoken about, maybe. Well, yeah, well, when we... Me In the you window. Had, yeah, when they one year's lost that grand final by a point, me and you had a lot of arguments, mm. and... I was pretty adamant in my way that, you know, buffs weren't as good as they were. And then once he's made that grand final loss by a point, I sort of thought, geez, you guys are an a very young side. But the group has just not has just not come along since no. then. But maybe now it could be the turning point for the group if they win this weekend as well. I think a big one, Rob, is I'm a big believer, and it's a bit harsh here, but you always need really good flying players, like really mm. good 
players from down south. And I know you can win them without it, but Buffs that year had like uh, Todd Miles, Ryan O'Sullivan, and a handful of others who was just in such great form. Joey Anderson was pretty fresh off his Sandful career. I reckon this is the best contingent of fly-ins that Buffs have had in the last five or six years. So, you know, your Pendlebury Brew, Tommy Jock, uh, Mitch Robinson doesn't count as a fly-in player, but, you know, he's come into the club this year. So I think that top-end, I think the Buffs top five players can match it with any team's top five players. Is that how you read it? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. And, they, and there's some inside balls that they've, they've struggled for before as well. And they've had those lower level sort of inside mm. players. Now they've got some real good, like, they've probably got the best midfield on, on, you know, one of the best midfields when they get everyone together. And the bad. The bad sort of Palmerston's timing. The yeah. Stars might have aligned that the game fell against St. Mary's, but if I was coaching a side and had a massive marquee game, I wouldn't have primed it up against St. Mary's when you get all these points exemptions and things like that happen. Saints use that power and energy and, and force that into a win for them. I think they lost more than they gained on the weekend, and I'm just unsure if they play finals now. I just seem double chance seems unlikely for mine now, and which means like it's just another season making up the numbers if you finish fourth or fifth. Raf, Rob, do you think that was by design? Do you think that they looked at the fixture and thought, hey, we want to play St. Mary's in this marquee game? You know, they, they earmarked it as a game that they could have made a big statement, but they weren't able to make that statement. Obviously, mm. Josh Heath has a long history with St. Mary's. I think he would have envisioned, imagine getting Ablett, imagine getting Stokes, and imagine having a big win. That's going to really kickstart Palmerston's premiership push. Raf? Yeah, it seems that way. Um, definitely does. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's like one of those games, like you're saying, you, you bring anyone in um, that hasn't played football in a long time, it, it, one of the greatest ever. Um, I, I still think any time out of the game, mm. you know, you, you lose, you might lose a little bit of touch, but Gary Abbott didn't, definitely didn't lose any touch. But, you know, like the, the running and the pace of the game, like we said earlier, that they probably didn't expect it to be that quick, the NTFL, or that the standards would be so high. So, because even Stokes, he looked a bit yeah. underdone and out, out, out of place. You know, he, mm. he barely stood out with his seven touches. It's not like, geez, that was Stokes. Did you see how good that was? Um, so, yeah, I think the timing definitely was bad, like Rob just mentioned. Um, There's yeah, no easy kicks against St. Mary's, Raph. There's no yeah, easy... Yeah, that's the thing. And, and like like I said, we hadn't had the great start to the year, St. Mary's. So, you know, they're, they're all of a sudden now going for a win after win and trying to get their place back in that top three um, selection for that double chance. Mm. Rob, we will get to your ugly after a break, but where does that leave Palmerston right now? You did say that you don't think they'll get the double chance. They are currently in your... Well, I won't ruin your power rankings. We'll leave that to later. But yep. do you think they make that fifth spot? It's going to be a bit At of a At the moment, I've got Nycliffe, but, yeah, I just don't know. Like, I think they should have primed that game against like a Buffs or a Crocs or someone like that where it's a sort of line ball game where they you know, could be a great chance to win. Play them uh, against Tiwi. Yeah, even to, yeah, but I sort of think it more like a game that's 50-50 yeah, okay, yeah. for them and that sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah I don't – I've got them probably finishing six now just because of the former Buffaloes and Nycliffe dropping off a bit. But I think Nycliffe should be strong enough to hold on to fifth. Really, really interesting stuff. Rob, I'm looking forward to your ugly. You normally go bang with this one, so we'll get to that very, very shortly. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, 1611am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Rob, one of my favourite segments every week is the good, bad and ugly. You have gone through the good, which is the Darwin Buffaloes, the bad, which was Palmerston's timing, playing Gary Ablett against the Juggernaut, that is St Mary's. I'm interested in your ugly. Okay, so what must what goes up must come down, boys, mm. and I think it's Nycliffe. Yep. 15 goals, 31 last two weeks. Well-resourced club. Three losses in a row now. 
it, it's real now. They don't have the same scare factor as, as previous years. I feel the club needs to freshen up at the top, play some kids and strengthen that base back up. Get some genuine minutes into these kids as well. Don't just play them on the fringes. Get, you know, get them into the midfield. Two best players in Prem's reserves aren't in this week as well, which must mean they've got a massive point issue or something down there mm. because they've brought in a couple of like zero-pointers from the resis. And the club may, may need a season and a half to reset. Very interesting. Rob, I think yeah. another one that you didn't speak about too is the fact that Chris Bucks has signed to coach in Cairns. What is the future of the coaching structure at Nycliffe? Because I think personally, you know, for coaches in waiting, and, and I don't want to throw you under the bus here, Rob, but I, I reckon you're one of the better coaches in waiting, I suppose, in the next sort of three or four years, uh, maybe even sooner, to get into that NTFL Premier League. Nycliffe seemed like a well-resourced club, one that would be attractive to coach. Um, plenty of juniors, plenty of talent on their disposal. Does that seem like an attractive job? Would it be something that you'd be interested in? And do you think, before we, before we you know, stamp Bucksy's papers, is, is he looking at moving on? I think he could be looking to move on, but I'm just not too sure on who they're sort of going after. It's definitely a job that I'd be interested in, just depending on what direction they want to go in, because as we're seeing now and as, as you've seen with the point system with them, they're back in a hole that's similar to when my old man took over, where they've got, they can't play their best side now. So they're going to have to have 18 months where they reset, play some zero-pointers and play some kids and get that development happening. Mm. The Tigers, probably the first time they've been in the ugly column for a long, long time. They've just been so successful over the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, is there such thing as a rebuild in Territory footy? Is that something that the Tigers will have to look at doing? How do you do it? Obviously, the point system uh, is another hurdle when clubs are trying to go you know, and rapidly advance up the ladder. How do the Tigers do it? Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of trust. You're going to have to back in that some of these kids are going to be ready to go um, and they're going to have to just yeah, just lower them points down, get in some Southerners that are going to commit for a few years, which is always hard to dictate if that's going to happen or not, if players are going to commit because you know, life changes. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. It's now time for the NTFL Top End 10 with Jackson Clark and Rob Hale. Welcome back to Fridays in the Top End. Robbie, this is probably my favourite segment of the week. It is causing huge waves around town, the SEN Top End 10. Yeah. Let's start at number 10. So number 10 is Matt Shannon from the Southern Districts Crocs. So he's back in. The 11. Yeah, he's back in. He had a very good game on the weekend, very consistent. Him, uh, Taj Stanley, and a few others really got not districts back in that game against Pines when they were really struggling. So, you know, that... And obviously, you know, Magro goes out. Obviously, it's a bit tough because uh, Tars had the bye. So Matt Shannon, yeah, goes in at number 10. Quite a good footballer, Matt Shannon. Obviously, heavily involved with Carlton's VFL team. Number nine. Number nine's Ed Morris. So he's held his spot in the top 10. Tars do sit, you know, second on the ladder. Why do you only have one Waratah player? Sort of just they share the workload and they're very consistent. The ones outside of that, Magro's leading the goals. You can, could consider him. Carlin, Dill... Uh, Dill Collis is sort of, you know, bracking up numbers, but I've just got Morris in at the moment, and he's been the most consistent. Yeah, plus a mainstay, Abraham Ankers hasn't played a lot of games uh, yep. this year, so perhaps he's one that could, you know, work his way in the list if he ends up getting a solid string of games together. Just a quick one on Ed Morris. How does he compare to a player like Southern District's Luke Smith, who I have noticed getting pretty good numbers? Oh, I think he's just been... Um well, he's been a bit more of the shining light, I think, in the midfield. Mm. I think Luke Smith's had moments where he's been good, like he kicked five against uh, 
Wanderers, and then the week later he's reasonably quiet. Yeah. So like that sort of happens, but Morris hasn't really had a quiet one. Been so consistent. He's just been consistent without blowing the lid off it. So, and like we said earlier, I think some of these other players are better footballers, but he's Mm. just you know he's in the team of the year for us, just rolling team of the year. So yeah, he holds his spot. Well, that's probably been the unknown one. When people talk about our list, it's like, oh, does Ed Morris deserve his spot? But if you look up his numbers, it's pretty clear why why he's found a spot in there. Plus, you do need some Waratah representation. I agree with that. Number eight. Number eight's Nyhouse, Ryan Nyhouse. So Nyhouse didn't play on the weekend, no, but thankfully. his form for the last two or three weeks has been outstanding um, for the games previous to that. Mm. And, um, yeah, like he comes back into Nycliffe, and, you know, they definitely did look a bit lost without him, but they still had their moments across halfback on the weekend. So Ryan Nyhouse, number eight. So when we do our top ten, there's always one big story of the list, and I reckon this might be it. Who is number seven, a new entrant? So number seven is Mitch Robinson comes in. So Robbo was very good early, I thought, against uh, Nycliffe, and his clearance work's been really good. Just finding the football and being a bit of a you know Batman and Robin set up with um, Jared Stokes. So Mitch Robinson does come in, because I think he has been the best player for Buffaloes so far this season. Have you been surprised with how he has gone? Like, I know... XAFL players can be a bit of a mixed bag. I know Robbo was getting like 42 touches, two goals in the VFL this year, so it was pretty clear he was going to come with some decent form. But you do see players still come up here and not deliver. So mm. how have you... Has it been a surprise how well Robinson has gone? Or is it sort of what you've expected? Oh, it's a little bit what I expected, but he's exceeded expectations, I feel. Um, Mitch Robinson coming mm. out of the AFL system. It does look like he's got a year or two left in his body. He could have maybe went on mm. at another club. So that sort of held him in good stead for a dominant yeah, AFL season. Robbo's big positive is he's, he's here every off-season. Yeah. So he's used to the mm. Darwin lifestyle. He's like a local. Weather, so he's not like a, you know, come out of the south and first time in the Territory and bang not used yeah. to this heat not used to this humidity so he was ready to go a few yeah. years back I reckon for Darwin footy because he, he's always been here he's hunting and fishing and like an extension of the Anderson yeah, family always there out so shooting with him or fishing yeah, and he's, yeah. uh, he's going to create havoc in these next few weeks that's for sure just the last one on Mitch Robinson a player of that surely has to be a chance to work his way up to the number one spot or number two or number three or something like that. What would he have to do? Obviously, he started with five games less than your, your mentors and that of the world. What would he have to do for you to move him further up? Oh, yeah, just a few, yeah, just be consistent. You can't get 30 every week and then just mm. hold your spot. Um, if he gets 30 that, against St. Mary's this week in a big win, that's got to notch him up a few spots. Yeah, I think. definitely. Like, I think anyone in the top seven now can be number one. Eight, nine, ten is probably going to be a bit more floating. But, yeah, I think he can... He's, and Buffs need to win as well a little bit. Yeah, so it's going to be harder if you're at the bottom side and you're, you know, in that top ranks. Number six. Number six is Nate Paredes, Nate Dog. So Nate Paredes goes into number six. Had a very good captain's game on the weekend without being outstanding. Talk about consistency. And just consistent. He stood up while some of the Palmy sort of leaders didn't. Uh, Guthrie and um, Wills only had 12 touches each, which is pretty quiet. Mm. Um, and Nate Paredes was very good. Raf, I played in Nate Paredes' first game at the club, and I reckon, I don't know for sure, but he may have even been in like a wing rotation with me or something like that, but he wasn't playing on ball. And I remember thinking, geez, this guy's really going to struggle up here. I don't think he's going to be in the best 22 at St. Mary's. And that might be the most ridiculous call that I've ever made, or, yeah, well, or at least when right he up there. Turned up, he probably was. He, he was a more rounded Nate Prudy's. Yep. more cut Nate Prudy's like we see today. Pretty young too, only yeah, about nineteen young, or so. Fresh, yeah, um, carrying a bit of puppy fat. Um, so, yeah, he just looked too slow for NTFL footy. Um, now he's a champion of the club. Outside, outside um, position. Mm. Um, but yeah, now he's one of the hardest inside mids and most consistent, like you just mentioned. So, I think he's um, got the most best and fairest as well, eh, Raf? 
Yeah, it's something like that. Hey, in history, yeah. yeah. In history. Yeah, to say what you want about Paredes, he's a champion of the club now. He's accolades, yeah, premierships, best and fairest, captain, everything. Number five. Matt, uh, Matt Dennis here. So Matt Dennis didn't play on the weekend, though, so he slid down. But, gee, Southern Districts look like a bottom it's chalk and cheese, isn't it, when he's not playing? When he's not playing. Like, the Ruckman Taylor, I think his name was for Pints, yeah, just ran around, looked like Max Gorn out there mm. without um, Matt Dennis out there. So Matt Dennis is number five. Yeah, so... Obviously, one of the more influential players for his team. I know that Ruckman get a bit of a, uh, for example, the Brody Grundy situation at Collingwood where they say there's no way you should play a Ruckman a million dollars a year. In the NTFL equivalent, Matt Dennis isn't a million dollars a year player, isn't he? Like, he is that important for Southern Districts that yeah. he's he'd be in their top two or three most important players easily. Yeah, I don't know if he's getting that much at Districts, but maybe half of that. So. <laughs> maybe half of that at Districts. <laughs> Flying him in from Tasmania there on a jet. Uh so first num- class. Yep, first class. So number four is uh, Dill Lant. So I made a really bad mistake last week. The guru doesn't make <laughs> many mistakes, but the guru made a mistake taking him out. And geez, he was dominant. And yeah. St. Mary's put up a stat thing against him and Baxter Mench um, before the games. So you could tell they'd prime this game for mm. Dill Lant a bit, put the pressure on him. And geez, he, he ran around on the weekend. No accountability whatsoever from Palmerston. It was mm. disgraceful to watch. Um, and you got young, I forgot his name with the dreadlocks in the back line for Palmerston. Groves. Groves has done yep. tag jobs before. I didn't understand why they didn't go with a tag earlier with Dill Lant. Yeah. Well, 28 disposals, three goals. He was easily the best player on the ground. Mm. Hey, Dylan Lant is still only around about 23 years old, isn't he? What an yeah. amazing pickup he has been and will be for St. Mary's. Well, what we can say there is Dill Lant and Nate Pretties are married into the Long family. So now <laughs> they're pretty much stuck. And I think they've been told they have to move to Darwin. So, and Nate's bought a house and Dill will stay here as well. Mate, I've always been frustrated by... St. Mary's' ability to play matchmaker and get the star players from down <laughs> yeah. south connected up here. So that's yep. that's a really big signing. Number three. Uh, Stephen Motlop played an injured game on the weekend but still had 23 and kicked six. So it was a very Crazy. good game from um, Steve. And he's going to need a big game this weekend against Nycliffe, no doubt about it. But he continues his good form of the season. Stephen Motlop's a freak. I reckon if he was at any other club, he would be on top of our list. Yep. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think so. I would have loved to have seen him at Pints, just Mm. because I think Pints really lack that class up forward. Um, They do have just workmanlike all over the park, but, geez, Steve Motlop's really, yeah, his class stands out. Rob, a bit of movement in one and two. This is interesting. Yeah, so Baxter Mench has gone to two. He's dropped. So he's dropped. But him and Philo both had similar stats on the weekend, both playing in losses as well. Mm. But Baxter Mench does go to two, had the 30 possessions, probably was, you know, in that 34, fifth best for Palmy, but definitely was a few shades off, you know, Lanton Paredes. So how high do you rate Baxter Mench as a footballer? Where do you envision, and I know it's hard to tell, but at the end of the year, do you think he's still... Well, I suppose his availability will be depending on that. But if he, let's say he plays all 18 NTFL games, hypothetically, do you see him as a top three, top five player in the NTFL? Or is it simply just his death by a thousand cuts and the numbers and the stats that he's producing that, that justify his spot up here? Has I, he got that class? I wouldn't say top five. Mm-hmm. I think he's top ten. But I think some of these players here, when St. Mary's get on a roll, if Buffs get on a roll, Districts get on yeah. a roll, then there's going to be players that are going to jump him. And, and it's just the way I do my top, so I don't rate the blokes from the bottom sides. Mm-hmm. That sort of hurts them a bit, which is unfortunate. But Rob, yeah. number one. So number one's the man, uh, Brody Philo, the mayor of Nightcliff. <laughs> so 
he was very good on the weekend. He was. And I don't think he could have done too much more. He had 30 touches. Everyone else, I think the next was like 18. Mm-hmm. Um, he really tried to wheel Nycliffe over the line. You could see he was getting really frustrated. And he's definitely a player that wouldn't want to hear the word rebuild at Nycliffe. <laughs> I can tell you that much now. But I think he's still got three years of good footy left in him, Brody Philo. He's already won the Nichols medal twice. Can you do it again this year? I think so. He's a well-known name. Um, and we've seen with the Territory umpires, they do pick the names. But his form stacks up. But I think Stevie Motlop at the moment is my smoky for the, or my pick for the Nichols at the moment. I think he's getting a few threes in losing sides. Yeah, I reckon. Like we've seen last year, I think um, Guthrie got votes when they lost by 80 points a couple of times. And so, the, yeah, margins I don't think matter too much in the NTFL. So, very good, Rob. Really enjoyed that top 10. Let's have a quick little glance at some of the players outside of the top 10. And yep. I don't want to put you on the spot. I want to throw up a few names. Well, I did mention Luke Smith. Uh, you have, you know, Ashton Hams and Neville Jetta, who availability probably determines whether they're in the list or not. I think at Palmerston, and it's crazy to mention four Palmerston players in a row, but Sam Clohesey and Anthony Tracy have both been really serviceable players. And, you know, if Palmerston start winning games, they're players who are probably right now in between that 10 to 30 ranking spot that should push up into the top 10 or could potentially do that. Bradley Stokes continues to get a lot of the ball and continues to get used down back. And then you mentioned the Waratah contingent, Jaden Magro. Is there anyone else that I've missed? Uh... I've probably put you on the spot a little bit yeah, here. I mean, I, I don't, Warrat- I don't, I'm thinking Warrat- I'm thinking Districts. Uh, Jar- you didn't say Jared Stokes. Jared no, Stokes right. is very impactful, but just not as consistent. But he's impact. He can be, uh, on performance, the best player in the in the league by a round. Someone, um, I think, that's slowly, slowly climbing, and he's not in there at all, is um, Jacob Longs. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't mind that one. Games. Mm. He's uh, getting high 20s, even 30 possessions. And Uses it well. Yeah, him and Matty Green. In Matty the Green, line. yeah. Yeah, so Matty Green's a big big one, I I think. is um, Should be in your top ten, Rob. Because um, mm. I, I just like the way he moves. He's got a bit of a young Raph Clark about him. <laughs> um, reads it really well off the halfback and, and sits up. And thought his leadership in the back line is um, very awesome to watch. You know, you can hear his, his vocal from the mm. one sitting on the sideline. You can see how vocal he is and demanding where he wants his other backmen to help him out. So yep. uh, Matty Green's my smoky for that. Very nice. We'll have to watch his form over the coming weeks. Raf, hey, Rob and Raf, you guys, I believe, will do the NTFL Power Rankings a little bit later on. But before we go to a break, I want to talk about the NTFL Rising Star. Now, this is something that you you said, Rob. Ask me about the Rising Star. I've got a few things to say. I've got a few things to get off my chest. Now, there's a couple of young players in the competition that probably haven't been rewarded yet with a nomination, and it is an award, the Rising Star. Let's be honest, over the past decade, that's left a few people scratching their heads. Yeah, so what's... I watched both Saturday games at TIO on the weekend, right? So Taj Stanley was, like, I felt robbed. Southern Districts player. Southern Districts young fella. Um, he had 11 touch, 13 touches, the same as the Rising Star getter. This, and I don't want to take away from who got the Rising Star. Antonio James. But Antonio James did get it, kicked 2-2, but wasn't in the best players and, and kicked 2-2 against Nycliffe. But Southern Districts, he had 13 touches, 10 contested, 5 clearances, with four or five state leaguers, he led the clearances and was named third best. And I had him third or fourth best when I did the commentary. Could have even named him second because he was so impactful. And they needed him in moments where they needed him to stand up. He stood up as a 16, 17-year-old kid. So I was very shocked to see he didn't get the rising star. So I sort of put questions back on who actually selects this. Do they watch the games or do they just go off the stats and see that someone kicked two goals and that sort of thing? So 
Well, in all fairness, Robbie, I don't even think you can say they go off the stats because how many times have we seen players get nominated and we've looked at their stats mm. and they've had like five disposals or four disposals or something like that. So Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised now if Taj goes and gets eight on the weekend against Palmy and they, and they struggle make it up for him. and then they make it up and give it to him. But mm. he was very good on the weekend and, and they did have two down on the bench and Taj Stanley really stood up for a youngster. So Cool. So we're showing a bit of love to Taj Stanley. What's he like as a footballer? I haven't seen a lot of districts this year. Oh, he's been in and out a bit. Um, Dave Barnard, I spoke to Dave Barnard, who said that he's at one of the, yeah, in that, so what, do they, what do they call that bloody place that Barney works? But he's an elite runner. I think he was running like a 14 beep test. So he mm. just runs up and down. And he, obviously he was very contested, clean, and just moving the ball forward and he can run. So he's one of those players program as well. So definitely a player to watch, but he has been in and out this season. Raf, a former Rising Star winner, is that correct? Yeah, mate. You I did was, slip that was... on a piece of paper to tell me to say. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, scraped, I scraped that through. Um, hey, I just have a question for you, Raph. What do you think about the process? Like, do you think that it should be determined by the NT News or do you think maybe it should be something that the coaches determine or something else? Because we can have a bit of flexibility. I know the VFL have something called like the Fothergill Round Medal, which I think is for the best player under 23. Yep. So I've always thought that with the NTFL, you could almost have like an under-21s player, yep. which then could include um, and, and save that complication with recruits come up from down south like last year was or two years ago was a big one Brody Newman comes up Dylan Lant comes up both players were eligible both players were under 21 and could have won the rising star but they didn't yep. and that's ridiculous and I feel really terrible criticizing Ryan Wharf the eventual winner but don't nominate Brody Newman or Dylan Lant or yep. someone like that and then don't give them the award it's absolutely award, yeah. ridiculous so mm-hmm. I've always thought that there should be two awards which could yep. be an overkill but one for a rising star one that should be like a player who's played say at least 30 junior games in the NTFL played under 10 um, um, before that year and then have played and then maybe even like a best under 23 player in the comp or a best under 21 player in the comp yeah, which then includes point. Thunder had something like that at the time Thunder had their best under 23 players and that included Ewing and Dignan players that weren't necessarily Territorians um, but had been up there playing and I'd like to see a similar process with the Rising Star what do you reckon? Yeah definitely and um, uh, hopefully they aren't just looking at stats when they are doing it because uh, I think um one of the goals from the um, young fella who did get it mm. um, from Buffs. I think it was a handball over the top or whatever. So, you know, you still got to be in the right spot to, mm. um, you know, get get that goal in the first place. But, you know, if you if you won it out of a contest and kicked a goal compared to getting a handball over the top. So, little things like that. So, that shows mm. if you're watching the game or not. But, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, you either have a couple of blokes that sit and watch every game or go over every game and mm. watch these and, and that have a bit of football knowledge and, and, and do really buy into the game, or whether it's just someone looking at the stats and going, yep, there's a young fella. Yep. He's played five games. He, he, he kicked two goals. <laughs> exactly. So we're holding the Rising Star Award accountable here at SEN, aren't we, Rob and Raph? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I earned mine, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also had the year with Willie Rioli also. Well, 50 Willy goals Rioli, on a half forward 50 flank. 50 goals on a half forward flank. Didn't sign with Thunder. No, and then some of the Thunder people were on that selection committee, which was a bit interesting, wasn't Just it, Rob? missed out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we could talk so much about that Rising Star, I reckon, but we do need to go to a break. Hey, I am about to go teach some year threes. You guys will go through the NTFL power rankings. There's plenty of that. We have all the reviews from last week. Of course, Ablett played, but there were plenty, plenty of big games. And we have some huge games coming up this weekend. This is SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, we will love your listing. So, Raph, we'll just go through the power rankings, and it's probably best to start at the bottom. Now, with that win from Wanderers beating Tiwi, I've got Tiwi down the bottom. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't. I don't think Tiwi are going to 
probably they're not going to win too many more for the season, I think, Raf. Yeah, mate. And like we spoke about last week, a few blokes, probably their best four or five missing with suspension. Uh, didn't help. Um, so, yeah, it, it's good to see them, though, be a bit more competitive. Um, you know, they're, they're not going into games knowing they're getting at 100-point hiding like they did the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, once again, we, we take our hats off to Toysy and the boys over there that are putting together some um, younger crew and, and getting them through um, and getting them a bit more competitive, which is awesome for the competition and for the Tiwi. Yeah, they definitely played a few um, local boys, and they and they had patches where they did look pretty good, um, and they did put Wanderers on the back foot. But yeah, so I just, yeah, so going to number eight now, we'll go to uh, Wanderers. I've yep. got Wanderers there. So Wanderers, I think Pines are just a better side at the moment, um, just depending on how the season pans out. But I've got Wanderers at eight. I don't. S- I mean, I'm looking at their win on the weekend, Raf. Yeah, said it. And here we are. So. You know, Wanderers, Wanderers are still in limp mode, I think. Um, so it's going to be a shootout between those three bottom sides, Pints, Wanderers and Tiwi. Um, I yep. think Pints, just with the availability of the group they have, um, yep. will, will stay definitely above those two sides, I believe. Yeah, I'm I'm still sticking by, Raf, my ruling of Wanderers and Tiwi aren't playing finals. Yep. So it means we've got seven sides now fighting for the last five spots, and that's Pints. I've got Pints there at seven. Geez, if they won on the weekend, they would have went to um, that would have put them up to fifth. Then that would have put Saints out to six. Yeah. Oh, no, no, it wouldn't have. It would have put it would have put them over above Nycliffe. So we could have really <laughs> wrapped up Nycliffe there. But so yeah. the Pints winning could have put them to six. So they're not too far out of it. And highly competitive game on the weekend, mate. Yeah, I, I went down to the Pints boys um, last night and talked to them about Purple Round. Um, oh, yeah. And just to see their their, their group and their numbers, um, how well drilled they are. Um, they're, they're, they're such a professional club, um, so you know they they were well overdue to be a Premier League side. Um, but yeah, once they get a few more recruits and and start playing, you know, together a lot more, um, I think they're going to be a, a very scary um, prospect in the next two or three seasons, mate. But yeah, they've definitely got a great base. So Pines are, are you know, they're about so look yeah. at. So I think they all um, they just need a bit more class. So in the next bunch, I've got three different bunches of two. So I've got Nycliffe and Palmy in a bunch. I've I've probably got Nycliffe just ahead of Palmy now, um, which is is tough. You know, it is, it's very jammed up here in the top six. But with Palmy losing, Nycliffe losing, I've got them both five and six at the moment. Yeah, I think the bun with Palmerston is it's you know you got all these recruits, but after that five or six, you know, once you drop away from your top five, you got 10 to 12 players. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you win your game. So, yeah, I don't know how big their squad is in terms of, you know, there's 30 good players to pick from every week or, or quality players. Mm-hmm. If, if there's only 20, um, you know, you, you, you'll be on your last 10, 10 players to top you up. So if you've got four or five players that are ex-AFL boys and going to miss five or six games throughout the year, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, definitely, and I think um, they've lost. Like Nycliffe have lost to five, uh, four of those five teams in that group. Yeah, I was always thinking Nycliffe was going to be a top three side, but I can't. I can't justify yeah. that now. And um, some of those older boys, you know, um, whether they're struggling a bit. I, I don't know how Cammy went on the weekend, but he's he's definitely struggled the week before against Saints. Um, so you know. Cammy, me and Cammy the same age, played all our footy together, so I, I'm definitely too old for running around NTFL footy, so I don't want to put the, yeah, <laughs> the mocker on Cammy, but yeah, it's, um, you know he's getting towards the end of his career, and he's finally starting to slow down a bit, I think, which everyone's seen him getting better every year, so yeah, yeah that's which, which happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so three and four, I've got St. Mary's and Buffs in a bracket, 
Um, so both sides had good wins on the weekend. I'm always critical on buffs. I always think, yeah, how they're going to go against these better sides. And, um, you know, they were disappointing. Buffs were disappointing against Waratahs. Waratahs took care of them. But I think this is a real must-win game for yeah. Buffaloes. If they win this, then they could really stamp that top three authority. Definitely, mate. And this is, well, I've, I've got as gamers around. I don't know if you probably have it as well. But, yep. yeah, Saints and Buffaloes both sitting in the same power rankings and almost exactly the same on the ladder. So... Mm. This is one that, that, that'll um, shape both sides' seasons, I reckon, and, and push them for that top four finish. Yep, and I've got Southern Districts and Waratahs, and I've probably got Districts on top at the moment over Waratahs in the top two. I think Waratahs just haven't put their best side out there, so they've still got, I think last week, they the week before they did that, and they you know played played some good footy. So I think they're only going to get better Waratahs, and that's why I see a lot of upside. They'll, they'll maintain a top three spot, and Districts are the same. They've got so many good recruits. Just with Districts, I worry about the forward line still. Dunstan was quite on the weekend, um, and their fly-ins, they seem to have some good fly-ins, but the balance of the fly-ins is going to be an issue for mine. Yeah, and no, I think the other thing with districts is how quick they do fall away. Mm, um, so there's there's a couple of games there that they, they lost. Um, oh, the one they did lose, sorry, we didn't expect them to lose. Um, to Palmerston. You know, when they need their 10 top players to come in under no points, they don't know how to work that out. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely <laughs> need to. In the top two. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to plan for it. Otherwise, you see, like now, you've got Nycliffe in that situation where they can't play their best players because of the point system. And yep. You need to you get that guarantee of players coming back. So, after the break, guys, we've got Phoenix uh, Spicer coming on from the North Melbourne Football Club just to talk about what he's doing in the top end here. Um, he's training and a bit of work that he's doing at the Buffaloes as well. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, after the break, Rain and Horn Darwin, find a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16 11 a.m., this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark. Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. We've got Phoenix Spicer on the phone here from North Melbourne. Phoenix, you there, mate? Yeah, yeah, right here. How you going, brother? It's Raf Clark here, yeah, mate. Good, How good. are you? Yeah, good, thanks. So uh, you just come up to Darwin. Yeah, we're good, mate. Yeah. Good, mate. Um, you just come up to Darwin. How it's, how's it been coming up here? What was the thinking behind coming up here and uh, doing a bit of training? Yeah, um, yeah, I just wanted to um, just uh, come up here and visit family and um, the club. Yeah, decided for me to come up here, and which was good by them. And then, um, yeah, just come up here and visit family and do a bit of training as well. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, so you're from Numbawa, mate. Um, have you gone back to Numbawa at all? And uh, well, tell us a bit of the story about how you left Numbawa and went to boarding school. Yeah, um, no, I haven't been in Numbawa yet. Um, I'm sort of waiting um, um, just to have a bit more break than more than five because I'm only, only be happy for like five days. So I'm just waiting to have more time. Um, like maybe um, like next year off season maybe because we'll have more time. But um, yeah. Um, I was born in Gove, um, and then um, I moved to Adelaide when I was uh, 
six months old till I was three, and then I came back to um, Numbulwa, and then yeah, I stayed there till I was eight years old, and then yep. came to Darwin for two years. Um, so I was ten, and then moved back to Adelaide, um, and then my, with my grandpa, and then just yeah, stayed there until I got drafted. Level, yeah, level yeah, how... I'm eighteen. Yeah. Yep. So how was it? Um, you so you went to Henley as well. What was the process yeah, going to Henley? Yeah. I've heard that's a pretty good footy school. Yeah, no, it is. Um, yeah, so I've had a um a rough bottom edge year because of injuries. Um, so seventeenth year, like seventeenth, and then um going into my eighteenth year, I wanted to have like a really um strong season to get drafted. So I thought going to Henley would have um um I guess drafted uh um having playing more games um with like because I had like a few. Um, boys there was going to get drafted, so I wanted to go and play with them and sort of see where I'm at. Um, yeah, and um, end up playing yeah, some good footy there. And also where I was playing footy for, like, South Adelaide. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah, a bit of, I guess, a good for me, just having a lot of footy going on. So, yeah, I learned a lot. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, were you surprised at all with North Melbourne taking you? Was there much indication from North Melbourne that they were going to take you in the draft? Um, they seemed the most keen when I was doing the interviews. So they've interviewed me, I think, two times, three times the year, throughout the year. So, um, yeah, um, especially late as well. So I was just, yeah, sort of had a good feeling that they were picking me up. But, um, yeah, I just was still nervous on draft draft night. Um, yeah, I was still... So it was unknown, but they were the most um, keen. So I was like, yeah, probably go on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. They're very um, nerve-wracking night, mate. Um, so the total yeah. six games so far, mate. How, how, what can you tell us about your six games? Were they, um, you know, what they expected? What you expected of the competition and the standard? Or, was you know, did you feel like you... You felt you felt like you felt it out of place, or you felt you felt it you know, like you you belonged and you're ready to go. Yeah, um, yeah. First uh, few games a little bit um, to sort of get used to the pace of the game it was so much quicker because um, obviously um, in, the, in my first year um, we wasn't playing VFL games because of COVID, so it was like sort of yeah, yeah. Um, it was only mixed teams like I was, like we would team up with like Richmond or. Like two teams were mixed up again. It was just like little scratch matches and stuff like that. So it wasn't really like yeah, that's um, right. Like yeah, well yeah, um, AFL level, but um, yeah, it was something. And then I was yeah, I was playing that until I guess my debut um, uh, in my first year you know, against Adelaide. And then it was just like a whole different level. I was just yeah. Then um, then I realized like wow, it's like actually a lot quicker than I thought. Like then coming into yeah. Uh, my second year, um, like I had that in my mind, like okay, I gotta, you know, go into this off season and preseason and go hard, and then but unfortunately got injured, and then um, it made me miss out because I kept doing my hamstring. Um, yeah, made me miss out half of the year, and then I had to do. Um, yeah, um, come back in yeah, like through half, halfway through the year and started playing VFL, and then I think it took me three games to get back in, and then. Um, I think yeah. I think my first game was against Geelong um, uh, this year, and then um, yeah, so, yeah, it was just yeah, it's still quicker because yeah, I'm still getting used to the pace again because I've yeah, I haven't really played a lot of games. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, yeah, just one other it, yeah. question there, Phoenix. 
Just one other question, man. I know that you're down um, up here with uh, Robbie Armat, the great man who's played AFL footy. How's it been working yeah. with uh, Robbie Armat there? And uh, has he showed you his goal of the year yet? <laughs> um, no, Robbie. Robbie's been really good um, uh, for me. Um, um, yeah, what he's um, doing for me, so I'm really good. Um, especially him being up here, from up here as well makes it um, a lot easier because he can sort of show me around a bit. Um, and um, obviously he knows a lot more people here and um, he can take me, I guess, when I was got, yeah, doing some training, I'm um, taking to the um, uh, the TIA Stadium. Um, Buffalo. Which is, um, which is yeah. nice, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and also the Buffaloes as well, so... Yeah, give me more um, opportunities to do training while I'm up here. And um, but no, he hasn't uh, showed peak all of the here yet. <laughs> all right, get him onto that. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Thanks for that, Phoenix, and uh, best of luck Thanks. for the season ahead, brother. Yeah. And hopefully see you down Thank at the you. Uh, footy. Thanks for joining us, weekend. Phoenix, and all the best yeah. for your um, season coming up, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Phoenix. So that was just Phoenix Spicer there from North Melbourne. Uh, kangaroos there up in Darwin doing a bit of a training camp. So after the break, guys, uh, we will talk about the game reviews and then we'll do some previews as well later in the show and some women's football for you women's footballers out there. You're listening to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end here with Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. You're with Rob Hale and Raf Clark. Raf, we'll go through some women results from the weekend. So Pines beat Districts 112 to 0, none for 112. Tigers 40 15 against the Buffets, which was a surprise. Wanderers 14, Tiwi 35, so Tiwi getting up there. St. Mary's beaten Palmerston 68 28. Palmerston women's in a little bit of a rebuild. So the ladder, that takes the ladder. Pints, 28, along with Tars, both undefeated, mate. And that third spot's really heating up with Buffs, Tiwi and St. Mary's all on 16 points. Tigers outside of that on at 6 with 12 points. Palmy, 8, Districts, 4, Eagles. Uh, yet to win. It seems like that top six is pretty sorted there. And uh, whoever, whoever steps up there, third spot's up for grabs and fourth and fifth's up for grabs. Southern Districts versus Palmerston out at uh, Norbilt on the weekend coming up. And Tigers versus Eagles. I'd be going um, Southern Districts, Palmy could be an interesting one with two young developing sides. I'd probably yep. take Palmy. Tigers, Eagles, I'm probably going to go with the Tigers there pretty comfortably, actually. Pints versus Tars as well. They've moved this raft to the broadcasting uh, game. So you've got two good coaches there going up against each other, undefeated teams. Yeah, it should be an interesting one. And like I said, I, I spoke to the Pines Footy Club last night and um, had a quick chat to Ricky Nolan. He's he's actually looking forward to this one. He's got a very good, very good list again. So yeah, um, it would be a very good game to see. Um, so I you think know, be, going uh, Queen Ants, I reckon. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be tipping the Queen Ants. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be matches around definitely by far two undefeated sides, which you don't really get very often. In, but also in, we've got the St Marys versus Buffets yeah, game. So you got Takisa Doherty Cole and Gemma Icono, two girls that left St uh, Buffets to go to St Marys. So the winner of this game will take, because Tiwi do have the bias, so the winner of this game will take top three, Raf. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Um, it, it was left late to very late before the season started that the girls uh, announced that they were leaving Buffett's. Mm. Um, so, yeah, against their old teammates, so whether there's going to be a bit of spice and a bit of fuel in the game, um, who knows? Um, but... It'll be, yeah, we'll chuck yep. to the... Well, yeah, so we'll just chuck to the interview there where I caught up with Dakisa and Gemma Iacono. Hello, I'm joined by uh, Gemma and Dakisa here, Gemma Iacono and Dakisa Doherty-Cole. Obviously, uh, 
both of you guys started off at Buffs and are now with the Sainers. So I'll just ask Gemma, how did you first start playing for the Buffs? Um, I was up here on a holiday visiting my friend. She was playing for Buffaloes and I just stayed. Oh, nice. Was the aim last season with the Buffets, was it to win the Premiership? Yeah, definitely. We started that season with a goal and we all bought into the process and, um, yeah, wanted the flag at the end. So Gemma, um, how was it playing in the rep games as well um, with the Kisa? Um, it was really good. I mean, there's a high standard at training. Um, there's some really good players across the league, so it's um, really good to gel with them as well and, you know, make those connections. So Kisa, you've come over playing rep basketball. What's been the differences coming from basketball to football? Um, I think I'm just at the time in my career where I'm enjoying football a lot more than basketball. So um, I was looking forward to the change. Basketball, um, salties is obviously a lot of commitment. So coming over to football where it's um, such a family environment has um, been a bonus. So uh, to Keisa, just asking you, um, when did you know that you were going to be leaving Buffett's to join St. Mary's and how did it happen? Um, to be completely honest, we, well, I personally had made that decision maybe um, a week out of round one. So it, I did pre-season with Buffs um, and yeah, it wasn't till very close to the start of the season that I had made that decision. And Gemma, I understand that you had a choice between, you were going to leave as well, but you had a choice between Nycliffe and St. Mary's. Why did you choose St. Mary's in the end? Um, I chose St. Mary's because, um, one, I knew like Takisa wanted to also leave. Um, she didn't want to come over to Nightcliffs and she said, let's go Saints. And I said, yep. Um, also, my daughter, her grandfather is a life member at Saints. So that family connection and um, the pool there is really nice for recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I think having all of our kids together too, yeah. um, our kids are cousins. So we knew that when we were at trainings, we knew that after games, they would all be together. Um, and Saints have such a family culture um, and we really wanted to be a part of that. So what's impressed you the most about being at St. Mary's? Gemma, you first. Um, I think just the whole, like the family club culture of it, like everyone wants to buy in. Um, it's just been really good. It's been really fun, um, being really happy here and yeah, just making new connections and enjoying my footy. And the case for you? Um, probably the juniors, especially in the girls competition, like we got the 16s and 18s training before us. The skills that they have just show that um, the women's, senior women's team for St. Mary's is going to be um, very strong in the years to come. And are you guys surprised with how Buffett's are going this season after defending a uh, premiership? I'm not really surprised. I mean, this season, like it's been up and down for everyone, I guess, apart from Pints and Tars, their powerhouse at the moment. But, you know, the young girls, you've got your Andrew, she's gone down to Glenelg and um, Taylor Hardalooney, she's down training with um, Essendon VFL. So they're, oh, and Michelle Swinsky, she's trained down for Port Melbourne. So they've lost a few of young guns at the moment. Um, and all the best to those girls. I think it's amazing. But yeah, they've got to fill that spot now. Yeah, Dakisa, are you feeling like there's going to be any animosity from the Buffett girls this weekend? Look, I don't think so. It's um, all the girls are, you know, they're all very close friends of ours. Um, but in saying that, we're all extremely competitive. So the second we get on that field, it's game on. I guess each, I can ask both of you, but you win this week, you'll go to third and you'll have that double chance. How important is that for the group? Have you spoke about that at all? 
Um, I think it's really important for our group, especially after the first three rounds. I think everyone that were laughing stock, um, getting hidings from Waratahs and Pints and Tiwi as well. But um, our group has really come together. We've just gone from strength to strength every week and we're really gelling and it's a good vibe at the moment. So it'd be very important for us to have that third spot. No worries. And um, the keys are for you. How is it going to be going for that third spot? You need that double chance to play to go deeper into finals. Yeah, I think, um, you know, getting into that third spot before Christmas is just going to give us the confidence to fight for that final spot come come end of the season. So it's definitely really important for us to get the win this weekend. No worries, girls. Thanks. And uh, best of luck for the weekend and the game ahead against the Buffets, your former club. Thank you. Thanks, Roberto. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Rain and Horn, down. we will love your listing. It's now time, Robbie, for our Rain and Horn home update. And a couple of properties up open for inspection this, on Saturday, mate. Property one is 33 Rabbit Creek Road, Milner. It's a four-bedroom, two-bedroom house. What does everyone need in Darwin? Room for a boat, a pool to cool off in, and a place for the family to stay when, when they visit. This property has it all. Situated on the corner block, it means that there are two entrances for both cars, boats and a workshop. There is plenty to offer outside as well as in. Elevated tropical style house and a self-contained granny flat underneath, which means extended family or friends can visit from and have their own space, mate. It's priced at 800000 open this Saturday from 11.30 to 12. That sounds like an absolute dream house, mate. Yeah, and property number two... Very, very good spot there. Property number two is at 30 Maximilia Circuit Durac. It's a three-bedroom property, two-bathroom house. Uh, welcome to your own little piece of paradise. Um, a picture-perfect setting for you and your family to enjoy and unwind while still near the shops, schools and public transport. Grab a chance to grab a chance to buy your first home without crashing your bank account with this stylish three-bedroom home. Also features the three bedrooms, separate living and dining areas, perfect for entertainment. Upon entry to the home, you will uh, you know something. You know you're in somewhere special. Heading down to the entry half uh, hallway, you will discover the the bedrooms with the spacious master bath bedroom at the rear of the house. The master bedroom is carpeted and complete with modern ensuite and walk-in robe. The ensuite boasts a corner glass screen shower, mirrored vanity with cupboard space and toilet. The additional two bathrooms, bedrooms are generous in size and have mirrored built-in wardrobes. One of the bedrooms has carpet whilst the other has a durable tiling. There is a good deal of natural light um, in there and there's fresh air along with air conditioning, ceiling fans in all rooms for extra comfort. That one, Raf, is on the market for 450000 Come have a look Saturday from 11 to 11.30. That one there was at Jurac 30 Maximilla Circuit. And property one was at uh, 11.30 to 12 o'clock at 33 Rapid Creek, Milner. Yeah, nice properties there, Rob. And uh, that's property two had a bit of a biography about it, mate. But yeah, yeah, got through might, it. Might Some be detail. worth checking it out. So thanks to Rain and Horn for that segment. Yeah. Um, we're going to touch on now is our preview and also the review of the games. Yeah, we'll go with the review weekend. first, we'll Raph. We'll go with the reviews um, and So we'll review the Friday night game. St. Mary's versus Palmerston. Uh, there's been the ball movement from Palmiers needs another revamp. I think I think they did similar stuff to what they did to Waratahs, where they got the ball 70, 80 out, then went back corridor again, and that's just St Mary's just flooded back when they did that, and they didn't learn from their time when doing it against uh, Waratahs. Saints look like they've recovered from those early seasons lo- uh, season losses. They look every bit of a top three side at the moment. St. Uh, Mary's ball movement from the back half was elite. Um, they went coast to coast too many times, too easy. I don't know if you've seen that, Raph, watching yeah, from home. Definitely. But 
it was massive holes in Palmy's structure. Yeah, to be able to kick it in, um, you know, and, and go coast to coast, and I think they did it maybe two or three times. Mm. Go from a kick in to kick a goal the other end of the field. Um, I know it's a bit harder, man in the mark and all that with standing still, but you still should have your back line set up for that, um, especially as such a big game. Um, so yep. Palmerston, there's some some holes there they need to fix if they want to stay in top with that touch five. Top do, five, do you, sorry. Do you have Palmerston not as contenders as much now? Yeah, I think we're starting to find out a bit more about Palmerston. So whether they bounce back this weekend with a good win um, is, is a big question. So, so Jeddah and Betts are in. How big are those ins as well for them? Did they look like they lacked them on the weekend? Yeah, definitely. I think they definitely lacked um, a back, a really good back line as well, mate. Because um, once Saints did get op- get them open, they were kicking goals at will. Um, yeah, it's 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 a, it's a tough one, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's a lot of learnings for Palmerston um, in that, and Saints are bouncing back. Have you got Saints bouncing back now into that top three frame? Yeah, mate. I think um, like I was at the start of like the season with everyone else, there was, there was a lot of questions being asked, but I think Saints have finally found that you know, 20-odd 20, 20 players that they can pick from every week that are guaranteed going to perform for you and then you top up with your four or five younger guys or blokes um, that are coming from the reserves. So you're going to have a, a solid outfit every year, every week now. Yeah, definitely. They also, um, Palmy still sit third on the ladder, so they, but yeah, they're still in the race. So I said last week that I wanted a 30-goal shootout and we just we got that on the weekend with Wanderers and Tiwi. Um I think it was like 26 goals, but T- Wanderers won the game that they should have um, really won. Tiwi went in largely with a local team, which is, you know, good for their club's future. Wanderers need to take the confidence into this week's game. They previously have not scored very well, but they scored heavy in this game, and it shows that Wanderers can score heavy when they are on. Um, and they, you know, one of the quickest sides, you know, they are one of the quickest sides to score and with pace when they're on, and they're going to have to bring that as well coming into this week's game. But it was a good win for Wanderers. Yeah, definitely. It definitely was a must win. Um, otherwise, you know, it was going to be a long year, and we sort of seen them maybe finishing on the bottom if they couldn't beat Tiwi. Um, yeah, so they've, they've so, stopped that now, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, and a good thing is for the Tiwi people, I think, because um, there's a a lot of um, arguments and questions with you know how many local Pateri boys do play and they don't want to play too many Southerners and they lose a few of their home support base and but I I think they play almost a whole local Tiwi team um, and they can still go down to Wanderers it shows that they do need those um, seven or eight um, interstate players. Yeah, definitely, Ruff. I think that's um, very true there. So this this game, Nycliffe Pints, was a bit of a surprise. Um, Pints, uh, Buffaloes, sorry, Nycliffe Buffaloes. This is a real surprise. Um, I did think Buffaloes were in it, um, but Holtz Fitz kicked three goals in the first half to finish with four um, against his former club. Um, Tigers were inaccurate um, at times, but Buff's forward line took a while to get going, and once they got going, Nycliffe did not have the pace to deal with them as we sort of previewed. Um, Philo Wilson, they did a lot, did as much as they could, coast to coast. Philo had his 30, and he's 30 compares to other players' 40 when he does get 30. And, yeah, the goal-kicking does continue to be an issue for Nycliffe. Yeah, it did. Um, so how did the big Philo go the full forward? I missed that game. Did he uh, kick any on the weekend? No, nah, Butcher didn't, didn't play. Didn't um, play yeah, they had right. the other full forward in, uh, Robinson, who... Don't think he got too much. He had he had moments as well. Cammy Islet played deep. Um, Cammy sort of struggled a bit, um, and they sort of look like they they are struggling in that middle tier. Yeah. There there has been criticism. I've heard 
that their recruits aren't as good as what they thought they would be. Yep. So they've got Butcher and Hartlett in this week, apparently. But I think, did Buff surprise you at all? Because I, I, I'm always critical of Buffaloes, but they definitely look like they come to play. And then after when they won, they didn't carry on too much. Yeah. So I thought that's a side that's maturing and knows that they need to be a top three side. Yeah, definitely. And I think they've, that side of Buffaloes have been growing slowly. They've been together, that same group, for about three or four years or maybe more, I think, since that grand final, a lot of them that mm. they lost to Southern District. So to top up with a few... Really, really good players like Mitch Robinson and, you know, Stokes. Is, the Stokes boys are in form. Um, you know, it goes a long way. Um, so, yeah, Buffaloes, it, it's really good to see the Darwin Buffaloes up in the top four, top five sides there, mate. And like I said, we're looking forward to this one against St. Mary's this week. Yep. So, go, that was a great game. Going into the Southern Districts Pines game, Southern Districts looked like they were going to lose this. And Matt Shannon led the way for mine. Um, shot was very good for Pines with 35 touches. I was surprised they didn't give him best on. He was best, I would have given him three best on votes yep. um, for the Nichols. <laughs> um, but Districts were two down by halfway through the second quarter, which was... Um, you know, really hit their depth. And it was a great team effort from both sides, but uh, Southern District's getting the chocolates. And they moved big Sammy Dunstan, who was well held by Doyle, um, into the ruck in the last quarter, which got him kick-started again. Um, and then a few of the experienced players got on, and my boy Taj Stanley really stood up. Yeah, it's it's good to see, like we said, with, and we say it every time, like Pints, that consistency that they bring, and, and you know, they're... They're going to have a crack every week. So, you know, there's been four or five games now that they've lost by a kick, so another four-point loss. Um, mm. You know, if they, you give them another year and they're winning those games that, that they've losing by one kick, they're, they're going to be a top three or four side before you know it, Pints. And um, yeah. take my hat off to Shannon and what he's doing down there, Shannon Motlop. I definitely agree with you, but they're going to need three or four bit of polish players there. Otherwise, I don't think they can take that next step. They yeah, need some polish. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be next Just, year, I think. Yeah, a bit of pace, hopefully. So going into the game previews for this week, Raph, we've got a couple of really good games. Obviously, you've got the two uh, rivals out, Bush. Uh, Southern Districts versus Palmerston. That one's at Norbilt. A loss for Palmy will take them out of the top three. They have been sitting in the top three for a while now. District's doing enough, winning the games they need to win, really. Dunstan, as I mentioned, was well held by Paddy Doyle, so he needs to insert himself into the game more when things aren't going his way, maybe move himself into the ruck if a Matt Dennis isn't there. District's, you know, they don't lose at home very often either, Raf. Yeah, and when we talk about games, old home games advantage, um, I think... For- Districts definitely have the best home ground advantage because it's... So hot out there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's one of the hardest places to go out and play. And, um, yeah, there's no shade. There's, I don't think there's much shade sitting in the boundary uh, watching as well. So, you know, if you can get out there and beat um, districts at home and when they're up and about like they are now, it's um, it's a very big challenge. So, yeah. Palmerston, like you mentioned, you get bets back in and um, uh, Jeddah. So, it'll be it'll go a long way to helping them but yeah, yeah I, I see districts winning this one mate and um, they're going to be too strong at home how important though from your perspective is it having a dominant ruckman because Matt Dennis has been a very dominant player from this year didn't play on the weekend and they really struggled how important is it to have that big dominant big man yeah, Matt Dennis, um, he's not just a dominant ruckman, mate. He's a dominant mid, he's dominant back. He's, cause he, he gets everywhere. And, um, yeah, in this comp, it, it just sets you up so much, especially if you can get the ball outside of that contested and you've got great outside runners um, and you can use a footy. So 
And, and like up here, yeah. you know, one kick into the, inside your 50, you set yourself up so quickly and your big man stay down the line and, and block it off when it comes out. So, yeah, having Matt Dennis back in this week definitely gets Palmas, oh, gets them over the line against Palmas. Yeah, believe. definitely. I'm going with Southern Districts, but I think I'm, I agree with you, but I definitely think it's going to be closer than what people expect. After the break, guys, we're going to preview the Pints-Waratah game, Nycliffe Wanderers, and I want to put a bit more time into the St. Mary's Buff game as well there, Raph. Stay tuned, guys. You're listening with Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End, brought to you proudly by Rain and Horn Darwin. Find the place to write your next chapter. So we just went through, Raph, the Southern District's Palmy game. Should be a cracker out there. If you're out Bush, Palmerston, uh, Norbilt Way, get out there and watch that game and support your club. Because we've got the Nycliffe Wanderers game, which is a late one on Saturday night. Wanderers going for their second straight win. Hartland and Motlop as well. Two former teammates at Port Adelaide now going against each other, Raph. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one, mate. Um, Nycliffe will be very key in the bounce back from three losses in a row, which we yeah, haven't geez. seen Nycliffe lose too many games over the last four seasons, mate. So something new for the Nycliffe, um, th- you know, coming off three losses. So they'll be stacking and ready to bounce back, especially knowing that Wanderers are sitting lower than them. They'd, they'd really want to win this game. If they lose to Wanderers, um, then there's yeah, some riding on the wall for Nycliffe to stack. I think, I think it could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, definitely. So if Wanderers are uh, up and up and about and ready to go, bounce back for two wins in a row, it would be a very, very um, long week for Nycliffe if they lose. Yeah, I've got Tigers by five goals. What are you predicting on this one, Raf? Yeah, I'm leaning towards Nycliffe. Um, yeah, but it'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see Wanderers get up. So. Yeah, well, Stephen Motlock fully recovers from that injury. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. Pints versus Waratahs. Uh, Dawson's in the squad for Pints, which is a big in. Uh, more teams have lost after coming off the bye. So, you know, you've got Waratahs coming off the bye, so that'll factor in. Pints are two from two from the Ant Hill. If Tars go there and expect an easy ending, they will be eaten alive by the Ants. Yeah, mate. And I really like the way Pints do play at home. Um, mm. They definitely beat St. Mary's really, really well on that, on that day. And um, I think it's... It's almost building it like a Southern District's fortress, mate. It's a hard one to you go there thinking it's going to be an easy day out against Pines. You're going to get um, you're going to get smacked back into place really quickly. So, mm-hmm. if Waratahs go in there thinking it's going to going to be an easy run home. Um, they're going to be in for a shock. And I would like to see Pines. They will push them to the right to the limits like mm-hmm. they have everyone else. Definitely. But I think Waratahs still have that little bit more class and ability just to get over the line. Yeah, I think Waratahs too a little bit too more uh, a little bit more classy. I got Waratahs by three goals, but a pint win would not surprise me. So we got the big game, mate. St Mary's versus Buffs. The winner of this will go into third, just like the women's game. So you got the two rival clubs. Definitely from the eighties and nineties and early two thousands when you debuted, St Mary's and Buffs had that rivalry. When Buffalo struggled a lot, it sort of changed a bit, even with me and your playing days after, was more with Wanderers, wasn't it? So, yeah, definitely. But this is like, might rein, reinvent that. Um, yeah, the Darwin Buffaloes. Darwin Buffaloes, St. Mary's. Mary's coming back. Yep, but both sides aren't as strong as they have been as, as early rounds. The midfields are pretty evenly matched. I think Parnell probably takes Holt's fits. I'm interested to see how Buffs curve the influence of Long and Green, mate. So long and green, they have a kick-out tactic that no team has been able to sort out or even spot. It's created plenty of scoring for Saints. Maybe coaches have been blind to it, but I've seen it for a few weeks now, and that has really set up some of their scoring play with um, Parnell as well when they take those kick-outs. Yeah, definitely. And whether teams are you know putting more time and effort into how to slow down uh, Jackson Calder and Grenfell up forward, uh, which is definitely two big targets that can eat you alive if you do give them time and space. So... 
whether they're planning too much for your, your attack instead of your, what's coming off your half back line and out of your back line. That, like we said against um, Palmas, and they they kicked about three goals from coast to coast from kicking. So, yeah, big big um, positive to have in any side. Yeah, Josh and Josh Heath does do his re- reviews and and that of his games, and surely he would have um, touched on that during the week as well. But definitely, mate, I think the Saints are sharing that workload up forward. But now the backs, Green, Pinell, and Long are just doing whatever they like. Yeah, offensively. Mate. And those couple of extra midfielders that came through, Smithson, I think I think Smithson's playing again this week. Some of those mm. those two goals he kicked, that first one he kicked, I think he kicked it off one step from 55 out, mate. Yeah. And that, that just put the, you know, that when I seen that in that first quarter, I was like, oh, the Saints are on here and I think we're going to get home um, last week. So seeing him up and about and, and the rest of the um, this midfield, Dylan Lanton, Nate Paredes, if you're going to let them run around and do what they want this week, Buffs, you're going to be in for a long, long night. But then again, Stokes... Uh, Robinson How are you seeing this one, Raf? Yeah, not not just because I'm a St Mary's man, but I think the, the way Saints have played the last three weeks, three wins in a row, um, they're definitely up and about. They've finally gelled, I believe. Mm. Um, and like you said, Green and Long mm. off the back line coming out of there, they, they're doing what they like, mate. And if you let that happen, it's gonna it's gonna lean towards St Mary's win. Yeah, if Saints continue to win the way they're winning, then Long or Green, one of those two would have to be a consideration for the SEN top ten. Top ten, yeah, mate. That, that that'll form. be <laughs> that'll definitely be a big yeah, talking point. <laughs> definitely. So we've got the draft as well on Monday night, mate. So we've got Bo Ted Castle, the two Davy boys, Lloyd Johnson and Mankara. So we've got five guys that are looking really likely to be. Um, all varying levels of likeliness to be picked up in the draft. Um, so the first one there, uh, Davey will go early in the draft, but has nominated Essendon, so Essendon will match yeah, the, the beard. Father son boys. Yep, be and good then to see. the other Davey boy will come to Essendon later on, maybe as a rookie selection. Yeah, just coming off those um, couple of ACLs, but I think Essendon mm-hmm. are very keen to have him in their in their um in their rooms, mate, and put the time and effort to him because they're definitely going to turn into champion players of both the boys. Yeah, I've seen the Oakley Chargers. I listened to the Oakley Chargers interview, um, Coach one on the ESCN, um, our friends in Melbourne, and he also spoke about um, how Davey, uh, Jay was actually training and how he was going, and then he'd done the injury, obviously, so it's sort of... Um, yeah, he's he's gonna he could be a sneaky draft chance for the Bombers. Um, Lloyd Johnson looks likely to go to the Suns also, um, and Mankara is an Essendon um, NGA. Yep. Um, but he needs to be after the forty for Essendon to get him. Yeah, so hopefully we see all all four or five of those boys picked up. I I loved watching Lloyd Johnson run around last last year um, for a first yeah. year player in the in the NGFL. He he his class and his ability, um, you know, and how cool he did things. At times, I mixed him up with Mitch Taylor because he just looked like yeah, he'd they been very playing. similar, didn't they? He looked like he'd been playing for ten years, and then I'd be like, "Oh, there's Taylor again." And I'm like, "Oh no, that's like young Lloyd, like because yep. they both had the man bun and you know slick, slick back." Um, man buns up up in the uh, nice head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. And definitely, it's a smooth mover like Mitch Taylor. So uh, I'd love to see young Lloyd Johnson get a, a spot on the list, mate. And um, also Bo Ted Castle, not just because of being a, a family uh, member from St Mary's. Um, yeah, young Bo, he's got all the class in the world. So whether a team um, picks him up late in the draft um, and gives him his opportunity because he's one of the better small forwards getting around. 
Yeah, it does seem like he could be a late selection, or he's got um, he might need to go down to the VFL, and which is going to be good if he does do that. Yeah, it'd be definitely. So, good. mate, you got the epilepsy around this week. Run us through that. How's that going to work, and how can people donate? Yeah, mate. Uh, like I said, we're going to have the, the stall set up there. At the, once you walk through the gates at Marara, we're going to have a few um, donation tins and even a tap and go, um, a gold coin donation or a couple of dollars. Um, loose change will be. Great uh, to help out. We've got to have some shoelaces, some purple, everything in purple. Obviously, shoelaces, handbags, um, some scrunchies for the girls to wear. Um, yeah, we're trying to find a heap of socks. Um, Darwin's a bit of shortage of purple. Um, believe it or not, it's a hard really? colour to find. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, But, now nah, looking forward to it, mate. We'll have the barbie going all day. So just like your bunning sausage, come down and grab, grab a sausage from us um, while you're going to your game. Or in between the breaks. So, um, yeah, and we'll love any support we get. If anyone wants to jump on board and be a sponsor of the day, um, you can find me on through the social media pages. Send me a message, and I'd love to have some more sponsors on board. Um, so is that at TIO Stadium? TIO Stadium. We're going to have a tin of, a couple of tins set up over at the Pine Oval as well, so they're really keen to jump on board and some fundraising. There's a, actually Rod and Reel combo um, raffle I've got as well, thanks to Graffish and Outdoor World who sponsored us and um, gave us that for a prize. So $5 a ticket, um, a barra combo, perfect timing for the million-dollar barra comp that's on at the mm. moment. So if you're keen fishermen, come buy a raffle ticket and, and the chance to win that rod and reel combo. Yeah, definitely, mate. So what time would you be at? Uh, uh, we're setting up. We'll be up and running by about 11 o'clock and we'll be there till the start of the, the last game. It's 7 o'clock, mate, so that'll be us. Yep, definitely, mate. Yourself, so, mate, what do you got on this weekend? Oh, well, I'm, I'm commentating that. Uh, we've got to commentate tonight some 18s footy and fill in there. Um, I'm also got the Palmas, uh, the South, uh, geez, Palmerston Southern Districts, St Mary's Buffett Buffaloes game, mate. So I watched oh, yeah. the Buffets and Saints and the St Mary's and Buffaloes in the Premier League. I think the big one, Rob, um, on Sunday. If you're not doing anything, don't forget the AFLW Grand Final, mate. Um, that should be a very, very good game. Uh, Melbourne Demons versus the Brisbane Lions. So that's yep. kicking off at Sunday at two ten Darwin time. Um, yep. So Sunday, not doing anything. Tune in. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.